0: Take the usual podcast hosting companies and you'll stay in expensive wonderland. Take the Podcaster Matrix hosting and you'll experience a completely different world of whole podcast library hosting. Choose wisely at PodcasterMatrix.com. That's PodcasterMatrix.com.
1: When you hear the words, Friday the 13th, What do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible to be killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition. Episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast. From Two Guys Talking Horror. There is
2: value in family. The ties that bind aren't just bonded in blood when it comes to value. It's about conviction, steadfast focus, and allegiance to those things and people who have come before you. Oh boy, have we got a whole lot of strange planned for you inside this chock-full-of-kin episode. It's time for the Curious Goods Podcast. A retelling, a revisit, and an always educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 3, Episode 15,
1: The Long Road
2: Home. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm your other host, Nicholas J. Hearn. Nick, we got some quick housekeeping. Let's get to it. Two guys talking crypto. It includes the word crypt, which I thought would be appropriate to feature inside of something horror-based. However, it is all about crypto.
0: I thought you were getting all comic book-y on me. Isn't crypto the name of Superman's dog? Uh, it, it's actually with a C rather oh, than a K. Oh, my mistake. Right. Okay. Anyway, Two
2: Guys Talking Crypto. I recently launched a new program called Two Guys Talking Crypto, and if you, like me, don't know anything about crypto— Well, I've got the perfect program for you because I'm visiting with people that begin to start educating me on crypto. Be sure to check it out over at twoguystalkingcrypto.com. There's going to be a link inside the show notes. But again, it's all about me talking to people far more intelligent than I am, not unlike Nick, who tell me all about crypto. And I want you to learn as much as I am. twoguystalkingcrypto.com. The Home Improvement Encyclopedia. <laughs> there is a house featured inside of this episode that needs a whole lot of home improvement.
0: <laughs> I would seem, yes. Yes, a little uh, rickety. Uh, quite rickety.
2: And if it wasn't just needing... We also just recently went and got a, a dumpster for my house to just start discarding Mm. (laughs) the first time that we've had a clearing out in 18 years. And my God, it was horrifying. Not nearly as horrifying as what's showcased inside this episode. Uh, Anyway, the, the home improvement encyclopedia are a couple of local home builders who are providing not only education about what needs to happen inside a home building, but also some excellent skill sets. I want you guys to go check them out, educate yourself about what can happen with your home so that when you go and talk to the people locally inside of wherever you live, you'll be armed with the education that will get you not only the best deal, but the home of your dreams. Check it out over at HomeImprovementEncyclopedia.com. All right, enough housekeeping. It's time to get to this horrific family-based tale inside this episode of Friday the 13th, the series, Season 3, Episode 15, The Long Road Home. A man rises from an indoor swimming pool and dons a cloth lifeguards robe. He then collects a yin-yang charm from a nearby chair. He puts it in his pocket and looks down at a struggling figure at the bottom of the pool. The man leaves the room as another person enters the area of the pool. It's a woman who then says, Johnny? It's Mickey! She sees the figure at the bottom of the pool and it's Johnny! Tied up with rope, and he's struggling to escape. Mickey dives into the cold waters, swims down to Johnny to provide him with a luscious mouthful of air, and tries to free him from his bonds. She succeeds, and they both erupt from the cold waters, and the day is saved for now. They struggle to the side of the pool, and Johnny shares details. He's found the yin-yang charm, obviously the cursed item inside this episode. And he knows how it works. It allows your mind to enter into someone else's body after you kill them. Hmm. He then says that Jerry's got it. Who's Jerry? I'm not sure, but Jerry's on his way to Don and Carol's house. Who the hell's Don and Carol? What the hell is going on here? I'm not sure either, but we're going to find out inside this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Over at Don and Carol's house, an argument ensues. The doorbell rings, and Don answers the door. Hey, look, it's Jerry, the lifeguard, who has apparently been having an affair with his wife, Carol. Aha! Now we know who Don and Carol are. Jerry then produces a switchblade and stabs Don in the midsection, and he dies! We're not even three minutes in. This
0: has escalated quite quickly.
2: It's going there quick, but we're staying in the game to follow all of it. Jerry checks for a pulse and affirms that Don is dead, and his wife says, Do it! Jerry takes the yin-yang charm out of his pocket and places it on the dead man's chest. Yo-ho-ho! Ho. It spins, illuminates, and as Jerry covers his hand over it, it glows, and he trembles and transfers Jerry's mind into Don's now very alive corpse! The Jerry body slumps to the floor, and now Jerry has become Carol's completely healed and very much alive husband! Don! And they are very much together forever. In breaks Johnny and Mickey, who identify that they are obviously too late to save the day. Johnny and new Jerry fight. Johnny grabs a nearby floor lamp, and as Jerry thrusts his very long, sharp metal knife forward, he jabs the lamp socket and is electrocuted. New Jerry slumps to the floor and dies. Mickey nabs the yin-yang charm, and both hightail it from the crime scene. Carol cries over yet another dead body! This week's item, at a very strange point inside this episode, is... Recovered! What a twisty web we weave as we launch this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Just outside of town, at a gas station, you know, the only gas station within 100 miles in any direction inside of Canada, with people with mid-east coast accents, okay, whatever... Mickey is on the phone with Jack, and she shares with Jack that they've recovered the yin yang charm and they'll be home in four to five hours. Hmm. Clearly, Jack will not be appearing inside this episode of Friday the 13th, this series. And that is a damn shame. Inside this jackless episode, Mickey pays for the gas, but.
0: You know, there's a storm coming. Pretty bad one.
2: They're driving into a storm, according to the cool, kick-ass talking station keeper. (laughs) Mickey discusses the past concepts of the yin-yang charm, and Johnny laments that more people are dying, and he is very concerned that he too will lose the ability to know the difference between right and wrong. Eventually, it's time to eat, to get grub and coffee for the long road home. They stop at the only diner, Henshaw's Roadhouse, a quaint little country place with all kinds of personality. Not really. As they enter, a man chews down some soup. Today's special is Salisbury Steak. Mmm, mmm. Mickey orders a yummy cheeseburger, and the place is near empty. Outside thunder rolls, as does the closing door of a truck. Then two other people walk towards the diner. They walk in and are carrying a couple of dead chickens. They place them on the counter lovingly and have words with the waitress. It's apparently the two local brothers. You know, the Niggly brothers. Mike and Eddie. As the microwave burger and fries erupt from the microwave for Mickey, the brothers saunter over to address Mickey and Johnny sitting at a table. Mike... The younger brother wonders if they're just passing through. He wonders, are they married? He wonders if they got kids. Brother Eddie picks up Mickey's burger and is ready to take a big old chomp and bite out of it. Hmm, something strange is brewing. Hmm, just like
0: that storm outside I told you about.
2: Hmm, Brother Eddie wants Mickey to get in the truck with him? A reasonable argument about things completely unreasonable breaks out and they prepare to kidnap Mickey and Johnny. Johnny goes to town on both of the brothers. The barkeep is finally able to break it up as the waitress threatens to call the local sheriff. The Negley brothers collect their broken asses and head for the door. As the Negley brothers leave, they help Mickey and Johnny with the trouble they'll shortly be experiencing with their fuel line on their vehicle. How helpful. Back inside, Mickey and Johnny are having a heart-to-heart conversation. I mean, like there's a storm brewing and, well, they've got places to go and everything, but, ah, we can just sit and banter for no particular reason. Sure, why not? Later on the road, the car sputters and they have to pull over to address the fact that they are now out of gas. Johnny clearly doesn't know what's going on with the car, just like in several other episodes, and so they've got to get some gas. They find a house and wonder if... There's a gas can inside the house. Yeah, that's a great idea. We'll have to check that. Oh my, how convenient. Oh, it's the Negley family home. Johnny knocks at the front door. No one answers. They boldly strut inside with no permission of any kind. Eh, who cares? Inside, they find a bunch of stuffed dead animals. No, no, real stuffed dead animals. There is a smell that they can't quite place. Hmm. Smells like... DEATH. But that's not important right now. They find a phone, but it too is... dead. Time to make a choice. Go back to the car or stay in the wild kingdom. Time to build a fire inside the house. Sure, why not? The two sit down in front of the raging romantic fire and wonder what their next move is. That doesn't include kissing and fostering wood for the fire Eh, fostering wood whatever outside several miles down the road there is a familiar rumbling pickup truck that stops (gasps) it's the negley brothers they have discovered the out of gas car hmm how'd that happen and then postulate that the occupants have walked to the nearest house hmm that's right their house Back at the Negley family home, in front of an incredibly erotic fire, Johnny and Mickey are able to avoid a kiss. Johnny goes looking for some more wood.
0: for the fire. Whatever.
2: And Mickey goes wandering around the house with no plan of any kind, man a flashlight. I mean, all of us would, wouldn't we?
0: No, Mike. No, we wouldn't.
2: She finds more stuffed animals. N- no, real stuffed animals animals and a locked door she calls out to johnny and tells him that she's going to check out the attic
0: right yeah because that's what everybody does when they're wandering around strangers homes when they haven't been invited i'm gonna go check out the attic
2: it's the move that all of us would partake in if we ever chose to visit an abandoned house in the middle of a terrible storm was it a terrible storm sir
0: terrible storm bro
2: and running out of gas and walking miles to a lonely house with bones And hey, look, Johnny's found a human skull. Oh, hey, look, Mickey has found the desiccated stuffed bodies in the attic. Wow. They're all sitting in rocking chairs. Obviously, they've been dead a good long time. Just then, Brother Mike appears out of bad writing and grabs Mickey and holds her at knife point as Johnny searches for wood inside the barn. Just then, Brother Eddie starts the generator. And the lights in the attic come to life. As they come to life, they showcase those who are dead. It's the brothers' entire family. Going from left to right, we have Ma, Pa, and Grandpa. All right. Everybody, welcome to Casa de Negli. Brother Mike insists that Mickey start the nearby Victrola, which rocks the entire audience and family with some sort of period music. Johnny tries to sneak out of the barn and is surprised by Brother Eddie. And the two begin fighting. Johnny cranes Eddie over the head with a bottle as the fight escalates. Back inside the house, inside the attic, Brother Mike encourages Mickey to have a chat with his mom. While he goes to investigate what's going on downstairs. In the barn, the battle continues with Eddie and Johnny wailing on each other. Johnny is tossed errantly to and fro across the room by Eddie, who is then somehow trapped in the broken floorboard and ladder and breaks his leg. Oh, no! Brother Eddie closes the distance with a shiny, long, twinkling butcher knife as Johnny screams. Back in the attic... Brother Mike is now taking the time to introduce the whole family. Ma, Pa, and Grandpa. Apparently the whole conversation is ensuing between the younger brother and the other dead souls in the room. How quaint. Mickey screams for Johnny. But then Brother Eddie pops up out of nowhere. Again, bad writing. He claims to have killed Johnny downstairs. And now it's party time for the brothers and Mickey. After the commercial break, Mickey's been tied up to a chair, and Brother Mike is explaining more of the family dynamics. Eddie's going to clean himself up, and then they'll introduce her to Teresa. Who's Teresa? More questions already? Eddie doesn't like the idea of introducing Teresa, but that's okay. Brother Mike will do all the introducing there is. You see? Teresa is apparently the recently stuffed live person who filmed one of the many staged booby traps around the perimeter of the family property. Foreshadow! And they're going to do the same thing to Johnny. Brother Mike then shows Mickey the jarred human heart from Teresa. Ew! Brother Mike encourages Eddie to go downstairs and take care of Johnny because Brother Mike wants to be with Mickey but Eddie wants to be with her first. Brother Mike gives Eddie a warm embrace, and Mike encourages Eddie to not break anything. Eddie's got 15 whole minutes. Brother Mike will be downstairs in the kitchen if you need anything. As Brother Mike heads downstairs to make a sandwich, Eddie moves over to Mickey and starts untying her? Huh? Asking her if she's okay. What's going on here? For his trouble... Eddie gets kicked in the shins and then slashed across the face with a sewing needle that Ma obviously hasn't used in years. Wait a minute. It turns out that Brother Eddie is actually Johnny. In Eddie's body? Huh? You see, Johnny used the yin-yang charm to transfer his mind to Eddie's body before he died. Hmm. Mickey finally realizes that it is Johnny, and they hug Downstairs, Brother Mike is making a ham and mustard sandwich. Upstairs, the two figure out a plot to get back downstairs and get Johnny back into his now very dead body. As they sneak across the house, Johnny, Eddie, and Mickey leave through a door and head to the barn. They find Johnny's dead body is now missing. The body is gone. They surmise that Brother Mike must have taken it somewhere. Brother Mike eventually finds Johnny, Eddie, and Mickey and knows what his brother's been thinking. And it's always been something stupid.
0: You were gonna run off and take her for yourself, weren't you? Mm-hmm.
2: Brother Mike then beats Johnny Eddie into unconsciousness, and Mickey flees. She heads for the house and upstairs to the family room and finds Johnny's dead body. The chase continues inside the house. Mickey hides in a dark hidey hole upstairs, and Mike disappears into the cavernous skeletonized house. Mickey finally goes back to the barn to find Johnny Eddie, and they have to head to the attic to get him his body, but Johnny Eddie cannot make it. Mickey is able to help him to his feet, and they head to the attic. Outside, Brother Mike is screaming for Mickey to... Come home! Inside, they are scaling the staircase to apparently some kind of reclaiming process? Hmm... They arrive in the attic, and Johnny Eddie slumps to the floor next to the now-dead body of Johnny. Mickey can't find the yin-yang charm because Brother Mike has taken it! He has it in his hand and states,
0: Sure does look pretty. Mm
2: -hmm. Brother Mike sees the body of his apparently now-dead brother and wonders what's happened to Eddie. Mickey states that he apparently beat his brother to death. Brother Mike then points a shotgun at Mickey. As he does this, Mickey then pushes Grandpa's Dusty Cadaver-filled wheelchair towards him, sending both Brother Mike and Dusty Cadaver Grandpa careening to the bottom of the staircase. Mickey storms down the stairs and searches for the yin-yang charm. As she's looking around, she finally sees it, squarely, on Dusty Grandpa's chest? Hmm? She recovers the charm, leaving Brother Mike's apparently lifeless body on top of Dusty Grandpa Cadaver. Then, she heads upstairs and derobes Johnny's torso and puts the yin-yang charm squarely on his torso. As she does this, Johnny Eddie, r- remember, this is Johnny who has transferred his mind into Eddie's body. Just want to make sure you remember that.
0: Yeah, I don't think they forgot, Mike.
2: Okay, just double checking. Rises up a bit and covers the charm with his hand. Johnny's broken leg begins to f- 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 fuse back together. And apparently, Johnny's consciousness bamps back into Johnny's recently dead, now very alive body! Friday the 13th, the series, magic! It's true! The transfer is done. But wait! Where's the dusty, dry Grandpa cadaver? It's nowhere to be seen! Just as Johnny and Mickey are about to spring boldly to freedom outside the house, out pops Dusty Cadaver Grandpa! with the mind of Brother Mike and a giant kitchen knife. It's like any nightmare you've ever dreamed up times the thousand. A very strange fight ensues, and eventually the knife drops to the floor. Mickey grabs the knife and uses it to stab Dusty Cadaver Grandpa, whose dry guts fly to and fro. Dusty Cadaver Grandpa frantically tries to reinsert the stuffy, dry, dusty, dusty flying-everywhere-dusty-contents-back-into-his-torso and gives chase! Dusty Cadaver Grandpa Corpse grabs the nearby loaded shotgun and fires around towards the truck that Mickey and Johnny are trying to flee in! Unfortunately, as he does this, Dusty Dry Cadaver Grandpa is not paying attention to his surroundings and errantly steps into a ramble like booby trap and is pulled upwards! and dusty cadaver Grandpa's stuffing is then blown away by the tornado-like windy storm's powerful breeze. Uh, Back at their vehicle in the morning, Johnny and Mickey realize it's time to get home and to eventually consider a variety of relationship questions that are apparently floating harder and faster than even the storm of the previous night. Every episode of Friday the 13th, this series has goods and bads, Let's get to the good. Something different. A lot of things can be said about Friday the 13th. One of which is, is it just a bunch of canned episodes of, look, there's something to find. Let's go find something. Mm -hmm. Hilarity ensues. (laughs) We found something. Roll credits. This is definitively outside that box. There's no question. And you and I have talked about this when they've had episodes like this in the past, mm-hmm. where they, they, they literally jumble the formula. And mm. I love it. Yeah. I love it because it instantly becomes something fresh that's based on something new. Typically, especially looking over the cone of perspective now, anytime that they've tried to veer off into another direction that doesn't include the hallmarks, nothing good happens. hmm And it's the same thing here. The difference is that they stayed squarely inside of the Hallmark set. There's a, an item missing. Our heroes are in peril. What's going to happen? How are we going to process this so that there's eventually, with some asterisks, a happy ending? And I love what they did here with this episode.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're we're, we're f- thrust into what would be the final ten minutes of a normal episode yeah. right off the bat. Yeah. And we get the item recovery right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And and it was like, I I don't know what to expect now because Mm -hmm. we've already recovered the item. Now we're leaving. So it's a completely Mm out-of-the-box scenario. The great thing about it is is that this is Friday the 13th of series, Mm -hmm. and we are still able to utilize the cursed item of the episode for the rest of the episode. I mean, it's actually one of the linchpins. If we did not have this particular item, I don't see our heroes surviving this encounter with the Negley brothers. Yeah.
2: I, I, I really think this is great. And again, it's that it's the ability for us to realize how dangerous the objects are, even if they're still in our hands and ready to get back to the vault. Mm-hmm. It's ne- The game is never over. Right. Um, and, and really, I, I think they've also made it apparent that even when it is inside the vault, it's really never over. Mm. The Canadian Taxidermy Massacre. Wow. There's a lot to pack in here, but we're going to try to explain it all. There are so many hallmarks of different horror films that are showcased here. Oh, yeah. And there are some that I can identify, but again, I am I am not the horror geek that especially Nick is. hmm Yep. And so just run through a series of items that there are here, Nick, that are hallmarks uh, and tethers to other films.
0: Well, I mean, really, at face value, you've got aspects from Psycho. Mm-hmm. Because you have the, uh, you, the you've got family. the stuffed family, yeah. Right. You've got the stuffed family members. You've got the hills have eyes, where it's you know a backwards family who prey upon strangers just passing, passing through town, yeah. you know, kind of a thing. And then of course, you know, we've got the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where you've got body parts strewn throughout the 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 compound of of the Negley home, and 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 things are made out of these. Weird, gnarled bones and things like that it's there's a lot of great set dressing that you don't actually get to really see that much of because they also keep it very very darkly lit, mm-hmm. and they only use the light when they really need to. that allows you to actually fill in the blanks, yeah you're not yeah. seeing all of the horror halfway through the episode you know it's not until they turn the generator on, and even then things aren't very well lit you're getting a a, a sense of these mummified corpses and wow. I mean, they're, they're definitely the, the selling point to this episode. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. a nice set piece that just makes you go, Oh, 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 poor Mickey. You're going to, you're going to end up just like that. <laughs> they want to do that to you. I
2: think the other thing that floats around here, there are so many episodes of say, uh, any one of the different twilight zone esque. Uh, television series and streaming series mm-hmm. where taxidermy is a giant focal point. Oh yeah. And anytime that they include it, there's always this waft of creepy, goony, something unexpected is going to happen inside of them. There are so many I can't even name them all. Mm-hmm. But they're able to paint that that atmosphere with this instantly if not from just the dead chickens in the first couple of minutes of this episode, then the very wonderful looking animals that are posed inside of all the taxidermy that's shown inside this episode. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely creepy. Using a cursed item for good. This is something you and I have talked about several times Mm -hmm. and I like it because when and or if there is eventually a reboot or another series that takes on, the value of cursed items of any kind, really. This is something I would like to have explored a lot where if there were enough characters or there was enough changeover inside of characters, maybe because one character does this too many times, they then have to leave the show Mm. rather than it being because they're not being paid enough or they've quit or the actor died or whatever's going on. That would be awesome. I would love to see that that's a piece of mechanism inside the writing. I don't know how you would build that for story and ongoing storytelling purposes because characters typically like to get in and then just stay sunk in until that series is over. Right. But the mechanics of that working in regard to an audience enjoyment level, man, I think that would be cool.
0: Well, and I think this is also a great interpretation of what Johnny Ventura brings to the series. Totally Again, agree. It, it's, it's, he's not Ryan. Right. He is not Ryan. And when you think about things from the previous two seasons, very little consideration of should we use a cursed item to do something good ever comes up. Mm -hmm. It's talked about. It is discussed. Mm -hmm. There are a handful of episodes where there is the debate, but it's a very quick debate. Mm -hmm. They do not linger on it. Yet here we are, 15 episodes into season three, and this is the third fourth time Johnny has not had a real problem with using a cursed item to do something good or get the bad guy and I like this aspect I like the concept of can we use something evil something cursed by the devil for good purposes and I that's that's a huge gray area and Johnny provides the perspective because he's the outsider He's somebody who is thrust into this whole situation, unlike Ryan and Mickey. Mickey is very, no, we cannot do that. There is never an acceptable time to use a cursed item for quote-unquote good. Well, guess what? In this episode, you kind of have to use the cursed item for survival. Good or bad, it's survival. And had Johnny not done what he did, well, Mickey would never have left the Negley... Compound alive. Right. Now so, she'd be able to
2: stay there forever. She'd stay there but, forever uh,
0: <laughs> and be w- very well preserved.
2: <laughs> yeah, and taken care of.
0: <laughs> oh, man. And
2: I think the other thing, too, there's a vein of it that you included there, there right there at the end, which is look, the, the great option is I can either be dead and Mickey gets ravaged, or I utilize the item that mm-hmm. I have and not. And die. But then knowing the magic that's involved, Luckily, I can I can then come back. Right. 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 I, and I love that. Again, it makes it a, it makes it a, a where you have to make a decision. It's a tough decision, but it's when you've got to make. And would you mind making it right now? And, <laughs> right, and I yeah. like that. I like the the squeeze play that you get out of the audience when you do something like that. I think that's very well done. Those are the things that we thought were good inside this episode. We're curious to know what you thought was good inside this episode. Go over to our website over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out that quick web form and tell us what you thought about the good things inside this episode.
0: Every episode of Friday the 13th, the series comes with its goods and its bads. We've covered the goods. Now let's take a look at the not-so-goods. Hey, look! The villains. Is it, is it the guys with the dead <coughs>
2: chickens that walk in and the throw dead
0: them on the, chickens and, and the, the disheveled car? look and the the complete <laughs> ooziness of non morality? Yeah, <laughs> that's so well said. I mean, I was trying to think seriously. Of the they ooze. It. Yeah, it's like no, yeah, we're just good people. We don't shower much or shave or clean our clothes or anything like that, but we're good. No, you're not good people. (laughs) You immediately target the strangers in town. You sit down at their table uninvited, and you automatically just, you know, you know what, we're going to kidnap you and have some fun. What? Oh, these must be the bad guys of the episode. One-note villains. Sure, they do serve their point in storytelling but sadly I, I i wanted a little bit more i guess mystique you know maybe maybe they were just misunderstood maybe they were you know maybe just slightly uh, like like eddie you know mike says oh yeah you got to excuse my brother he's a little slow oh okay so maybe he just ha- has no social graces oh no you guys are scum uh <laughs> bad guys you're scum yeah, to, to go into the something that we we
2: haven't talked about inside this podcast a bit, we've, we've done it inside of a variety of others that we've done, but the, to go back and do a tiny little rewrite on this little portion mm-hmm. of what we're talking about, the, the rewrite here would be they do come across them in the diner, but they just come across them in the diner, and then the car does break down, and then they pass them in the car breaking down, why don't you come on down to the house, why don't you stay the night, get out of the storm, mm-hmm. and then we'll bring you back to the car in the morning, we'll get it all figured out, cool? And now there is that sense of grace and, and and strange unanticipation.
0: The whole not judging somebody, you know, don't judge a book by their cover. Right. It's even, like, Ooh, even should we do this? Bit... Yeah, let's do it. I mean, come on. Yeah. They're, they're e- harmless. E-
2: and even if they are a little bit gruff, I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. It's just when it bends instantly over into scummy and like, hey, how's it going? Uh, are you married? you don't have, have you, kids.
0: Have you got any kids? What, are you writing my biography? Uh,
2: Can I suckle on your cheeseburger? I don't mind him. He's slow. Yeah. Can you get in our truck? Ah,
0: it's party time.
2: I, I I didn't care for that. Yeah. And yeah. and that Johnny lashes out, good for him. Right. <laughs> I, I'm totally I'm totally down with that. Maybe that was a piece that they wanted to build some 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 manly rapport for Johnny Johnny
0: Ventura, man of hillbilly ass kicking action. <laughs> Which was cool. Which was great. And, and so if
2: you've got to paint it in that vein, fine, paint it in that vein and whoop that whoop that hillbilly ass. That's awesome. And that's what we got. I mean, there's that, no question. That is what we got. There's, there's a couple of checkboxes where there's definitely hillbilly ass getting taken to the woodshed, literally. Literally, yeah. And uh, so that's cool. I just, again, I would have liked to have seen some sort of nuance rather than, hey, look, the villains.
0: No Mickey Johnny chemistry at all. Not of any kind.
2: And, and I say that not that I want there to be, because I don't. When I when I when I detected the three or four times it was showcased inside this episode, you know what I felt? The same thing I felt with Scully and Mulder, mm. where I was not a fan of any of that, mm. because the storytelling's too rich to have to dive at the 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 foundational. Okay, how about some hunkachunka How about not some hunkachunka mm-hmm. How about a couple of people that really do care about each other? that can somehow be plutonic. Yeah, right. And not upend or change the pace of the episode. Because there's one thing that's got to happen here. One, well, they got to get the car working. How long are they going to stay here? Are they just going to wait out the storm? Okay. And then what? What's the plan exactly? The, the phone doesn't work, there's no lights in this place. Is there's apparently no food asterisk.
0: Right. Well, I mean, there was the ham. Yeah. And mustard. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's right. And bread, they could have had Made themselves their own sandwich. a sandwich. My my thing is chemistry-wise. In television, I get it. I mean, it's two people work together. Lives are threatened. They save each other's lives all the time. I get that there is a, uh, a a certain tension that is built up, and in some good storytelling, that can pay off. Here, we don't need it. This story has never been about two people who are searching their feelings while working these wacky cases to find these items and hopefully save lives. And the fact that we're now reintroducing this romantic concept that we haven't touched upon pretty much the entire time Johnny's been a part of season three. Sure, when he was introduced back in season two, immediately he's hitting on Mickey. Of course he is. It's Mickey who wouldn't. But, after she has shut that shit down, let's keep that shit shut down. Yeah, and I wanted to continue
2: the consistency there as opposed to somehow needing to give in because there's an ebb and a season coming. Eh, yeah, I, I don't have any interest in that. And again, the chemistry that's painted here, I detect nothing mm-hmm. that is anything that pings anything of any interest for me.
0: The confusing mechanics of the cursed item. Right off the bat, first three minutes of the episode, I mean literally first three minutes of the episode, we're told how the item works from almost drowned duck Johnny. You kill somebody, you put it on them, you transfer your consciousness into that dead body, and then the dead body is alive and fine with your consciousness in it. Okay. Very similar to most items that are used. You know, There's got to be a death, and then you get your magic wish. Cool. All right. So, and we utilize that, you know, we see lifeguard, Jerry transfer his body into the dead corpse of jilted husband, asshole, Don. And all right. And then we also know that Johnny uses it to transfer his consciousness into brother Eddie. Okay. But how are we talking about, how are we even considering this, this swapping back concept because there hasn't been a life taken yet. In my mind, if if Johnny is going to get back into his body, I, I mean, it doesn't make any sense how he's going to get back into his body. Where the mechanics that we're told are concerned, it does not make any sense. Because you have to kill the person that you want to transfer your consciousness in. There's There was never any talk of, oh, yeah, you can always go back into your own body. All you got to do is just, you know, touch it. You're fine. We never talked about that. Mm-hmm. We're, we have to assume that this is going to be perfectly fine because then you know we're not going to need Steve Monarch anymore, and you know the actor playing Brother Eddie is just now going to be the new Johnny. It, 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 I'm, I'm I'm sure he cleans up nice, <laughs> but I don't I don't need that. I don't want that. Now in a reboot, that would be an interesting concept to keep a character. It's a very Doctor Who thing to do. Yeah, this item doesn't make any sense. But, it, but you, you have to forget about it, or if you don't get your character back. Mm-hmm. I feel like the easier concept of the item would be you just have to give it a, bo- a soul. You have to have a kill that charges it, and then you can transfer whatever you want. It would actually mirror most of the items in Friday the 13th of series, because that's usually what you have to do. You have to kill, it charges the item, and then you get to do what you want to do with the item. That makes more sense than oh you can just switch yourself back if you want, really? Who 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 said that? Johnny didn't even know that that was a possibility, but evidently he did know it was a possibility, because he was all about yeah okay so now we got to find my body so I can get back into it. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, they they sacrifice understanding the item for just the the shock of it's Johnny and Eddie's body I mean as as soon as we panned away from Eddie slowly menacing on broken leg Johnny and you hear an off-camera scream while you're back in the attic I'm like he's switching bodies Mm. I'm not saying that I saw it coming but I saw it coming because that's how the episode had to be
2: well let's go back a bit further back in the story so let's go to the pool let's go to the pool what is the pool what was going on where is the body in the pool
0: Jerry wasn't trying to switch bodies with Johnny. He was just trying to get rid of Johnny. Okay. That's a very elaborate way to get rid of somebody. Tying them up and well, then weighing scuffle, them down somehow in, tying in, them in a up pool. And yeah. still
2: alive. And then dropping them to the bottom of the pool, getting out of the pool, grabbing the yin yang charm that's just conveniently placed on a on, on a table. Yeah. And putting on a robe and leaving. One would have to assume I,
0: that that Jerry
2: why not, why not Take his soul, even if the thing is already charged, because obviously he had to kill somebody to get charged, right? Right. Because that's what he's using to take over to Don's house. And so can you have two souls that are charged with two souls?
0: I don't know. Evidently, why not?
2: Why don't you know everything? B- because I didn't write this. I'm, I'm I didn't write this, this episode. Anymore.
0: I didn't write this. That's episode.
2: it. I'm done with your show.
0: That's the pro- that is the problem, because <laughs> why did Jerry not just kill Johnny transfers his, his consciousness and Johnny then go to Don's house? Kill Don, transfer his consciousness into Don's but It's confusing, and that is why it is in the bads. And those are the things that we felt could have used a little or a lot of work inside (laughs) of this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. But we want to know what you thought were bads inside this episode. Head on over to our website at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com and let us know your thoughts on the bads.
2: running super long but fun here inside of the curious kids podcast let's take a quick break we'll be right back
0: wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever it can with perpetual advertising here's how it works magazine radio and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once and then they're lost forever Perpetual Advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to Perpetual Advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors.
2: This is John D. LeMay, and you're listening to the Curious Goods podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror.
1: Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost effective on hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com.
2: Everyone welcome back to the Curious Kids podcast. Our retelling, our revisit and an always educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th the series. This time season 3, episode 15. The long home. Every time we come back from break, Nick and I always break out our manifest moments. The Manifest Moments are where Nick and I identify either an actor's portrayal, a storytelling element, or something else inside this episode that tripped our collective review night fantastic. Nick,
0: what do you got? Well, Mike, my Manifest Moment for this episode has got to be recycling Canadian actors. Yes, I know. Kind of strange that I would put it as my Manifest Moment. Most of the time, I usually end up bitching about this because (laughs) they don't do anything to mask said actor, and they look exactly
2: the same dude, right? And they barely
0: they barely portray a different character. Yeah, not true when it comes to Angelo Rizakos. Angelo has been a part of Friday the Thirteenth once a season. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. He was first uh, shown up in the Electrocutioner. Loved it. Where, I he love would, where he was the the wrongly accused man who was electrocuted but didn't die, yeah. so then got his revenge because just so happened that that electric that electric chair became a cursed item. Yeah, uh, and then in season two we had wax magic yeah. <laughs> where he played the the creepy wax museum guy from the carnival. Yeah, and yeah. here we go now in season three he plays Mike Negley. All three of these performances, not only did he look different as each of these characters, but each of these characters were complete departures from the next. So you literally really have to go, I know that guy, don't I? I've seen that guy, haven't I? Holy crap, he's been two other characters in this series. And I love it when we can get actors, talented actors, back. And they can be placed in a character that does not resemble the previous character that they played. Yeah. And Angelo did a masterful job playing dirty, hillbilly, taxidermy, rapey, Mike Megley—and <laughs> that is my manifest moment.
2: That, that, that is so well set outside of this episode. And uh, again. The way that television arrives now, especially for me, where I'm not watching a lot of television at all, mm-hmm. if it's not something that we're reviewing, I just I don't have a lot of TV time in my life currently.
0: Yeah, yeah, I um, have the feeling. Th-
2: th- there's time that I take with my wife and my daughter, and typically we're watching something older. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I will easily admit to everybody that's listening when we sit down for a meal, we we'll usually grab an episode or two of Mash, hmm. from way back, and um, the the joy and the questions that that show provides. Uh, for everybody inside of my family, regardless of whether it's my wife, my daughter or myself, is really fun. And what you uh, that, that show is probably also a really great sample of what we're talking about here, where there were many, many actors before they were anybody mm, inside yeah. of that series. And so it's fun to see these people just accidentally traipse across the canvas that you can identify and point at. And not only that, they're able to provide something really solid inside the portrayal, especially inside of something like MASH, where it's only it's, it was ha- it was that half hour. So you you get to get what you get very, very quickly. So I, I, I adore that program. Anyway, the, the fact is that I'm not able to recognize a lot of the characters traipsing throughout series nowadays because I don't watch series nowadays in general. I traditionally wait until they're all done, and then I wait for someone to go, you know what series you should have paid attention to was blah. Well, and now it's almost like reading a book, except I get to watch the whole series, and hopefully the series is given the honor of having a beginning, a really good series of episodes, and then some sort of end. Right, yeah. Um, that's when I that's when I really latch onto a series where I really appreciate it. Again, the shield, to use it as a perfect holding up sample. And so when they're able to grab actors like that, that's cool. And I miss that. And it needs to be done far more often where the actor can actually jump into yet another creepy character that is completely different than what they portrayed previously. That, 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 that's a great call here. I think my manifest moment for this episode has got to be allowing the spirit to transfer from dying brother Mike into dusty cadaver grandpa flying out of his wheelchair. <laughs> uh, wow. I... There are times, Nick and I, when we're writing the retail that I, I sit and I literally say the words to Nick. I go, okay, um, could you tell me about the words you never thought you'd be typing together this week? <laughs> and this is one of them. And thats uh, it's not because of the retail that that is my manifest moment, but <laughs> it's close. Uh, it, again, uh, the retells are so much fun that I would love to just jump into a bunch of different series where that's what we do. And there can be the other... Processing of the program where there's good and some bads. That's fine. But just the fun retell, so people can get a snapshot of what's going on without having to watch the whole episode. Right, right. That delivers as much fun as you and I compiling the retells of whatever the hell we're watching. It's so much fun. Anyway, that, that is my manifest moment. And that's where we ask you guys, what is your manifest moment from this episode, season three, episode 15, The Long Road Home. Oh. Let us know what you think by going over to our website. Again, that's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think. Vocabulary. Ah, vocabulary. The words that make Nick and Mike Brain go round. The first word inside of our listing of vocabulary words for this episode is...
0: Taxidermy.
2: Thanks to our friends over at Wikipedia, taxidermy is listed as the art of preserving an animal's body via mounting over an armature or stuffing for the purpose of display or study or creepy-ass television shows.
0: <laughs> Damn
2: right. What's funny slash interesting about taxidermy is that as technology has changed, uh, the processes of taxidermy have not changed a whole lot at all. Mm. And it is a again, it's one of those very interesting traditional skill sets that I think probably is dying because I do know that hunting and doing anything with animals in general is on the decline, or at least preserving animals is on the decline. And so, again, it's another skill set that is a waning skill set, just like any other any of the other real trade skills. This is art. Don't don't think that it's not. It's not where you can just kind of put things in place and they just freeze up and rot in the right spot. Right. This is all art and them doing something with something that was dead and now will live on in perpetuity and look pretty cool. Our second word inside the vocabulary listing for this episode is booby trap. Again, thanks to our friends over at Wikipedia, a booby trap is listed as a device or setup that is intended to kill harm, or surprise a human being or an animal. It is triggered by the presence or actions of the victim and sometimes has some form of bait designed to lure the victim towards it. The trap may be set up to act upon trespassers that enter into restricted areas. And it can be used to trigger when the victim performs an action like opening a door, picking something up or switching something on Now, yeah, booby traps are no joke. And In the interesting part of their appearance is that when they do appear inside of feature films, they're usually very well done. Mm-hmm. The ones that I think of are the ones from the very first Rambo film, First Blood. Yeah, There's some serious shit going on inside that film that I don't, I, I don't think a lot of people appreciate. Mm-hmm. First Blood is far more about the, the impact of war on a man who was just trying to keep his head above water. And when finally someone thrust his head under the water again, he snapped. Uh-huh. And the booby traps inside of that film are horrific. Uh, but booby traps are no joke. And uh, the one that's here is just a simple tripwire, um, But because it's desiccated grandpa, <laughs> pretty, pretty freaking cool. Pretty freaking cool. That's where we ask you guys what vocabulary struck you from this episode. Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's curiouskidspodcast.com. Fill in the quick web form and tell us what words impacted you inside this episode.
1: Episode Rating.
2: Ah, the rating inside this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast for Season 3, Episode 15. The Law. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. Mickey and Johnny making it home with no kiss, a bunch of wood, and smiling audiences. A 1 is on the bottom of the heap. Dusty, flying, desiccated grandpa guts. Everything starts at a 7 as an average. The numbers go up with positives, the numbers go down with negatives, and Nick.
1: There are no Hamsies.
2: No Nick, what do you got?
0: I think for me, when you take everything into account with the story and the characters and what was trying to be done, this is definitely a, 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 an above average episode because they, they tried something different and they succeeded. My problem is, is that there's a lot of things you just have to take for granted story wise or else it does not make any sense. And maybe if this was a show that was on cable and didn't have to worry about those commercial breaks and could have had a solid 50-something minutes of story time instead of the 44 to 46 minutes it got, maybe we could have had a little bit more explanation, understanding of items. And maybe we could get a little bit of more character development when it came to our, Hey, look, it's the villains! That being said, I had a really good time watching this episode, so mm-hmm. that always plays a factor in it for me. Mm-hmm. This episode I have to rate a seven.
2: I think you've got a lot of good points there. I think what I what I have to ride through is what was it a decent roller coaster ride for me? Could I grab could I grab the metal bar in front of me when I needed to while I was watching it? The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. There's no question. Um, The tiny tiny nitpicks that we've given up, even something as deep as the mechanics of the item, I kind of blew by that. That may have been just because I was focusing on crafting notes rather than looking directly at the episode. Mm. But that was definitely a piece of it. And if I don't pick apart the mechanics, I'm actually really good on this episode. What I also appreciate and continue to appreciate, especially as we get older and making these episodes is the retail (laughs) Having (laughs) to go back and break down the mechanics of the retail that I either just completely missed because I wasn't watching or that I did not identify and you've got to help me identify, Mm -hmm. I get a ton out of that. So I'm going to step it up a little bit inside this episode. I give this episode an eight. That's where we ask you guys, what did you rate this episode, season three, episode 15?
1: The Long Road Home.
2: Let us know what you think by going over to our website, that's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think. Ah, the end of yet another episode of the Curious Goods podcast. You know, Nick, something that we don't talk nearly enough about, but we get lots of, is listener feedback. Mm, Yes. And inside this episode, well, I'm super proud to tell you that we've got three listeners that have continued to contact us, really ad nauseum, Mm. with excellent critical feedback about your and my program. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, I, I'd like to introduce them to you. Here, step, the, step around the corner the, with them. They're here? Quick. Yeah, they are. They are.
0: Okay. What, what, why is it so dark in
2: here? Uh, it's okay. Don't worry about that right now. Uh, oh, here they are. I uh, the smell. Uh, don't, don't worry about that right now. Uh, Nick? Nick? I'd like you to meet listener Helen. Helen, this is Nick. Gra- uh, great to see you, Helen. Uh, hi, Helen. Uh, this is her husband, Seymour. Seymour, this is Nick. Uh, Seymour, hi. Excellent. And this guy over here, this is Uncle Bob. Uncle Bob. I'm not entirely sure if that's a username or if he's actually related to somebody, but at this point it doesn't matter. You see, all three of these listeners, they've said that they'd like to continue to give us input. Well, they are. They'll be here inside the studio, giving us feedback.
0: Forever. Per- permanent fixtures, all t- stuffed and mounted. I'd, I'd like to go now. ha ha! Ha 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 ha!
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of re Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed. There is a
2: smell that they can't quite place. Hmm. Smells like Give me a good death. Death. But that's not important right now. They find a phone, but it too is
1: death.
2: Time. Ty- <laughs>